Oh, snap. Uh, yeah, peeps. That's the sound of another podcast. What's going on? This is Chronicles of a Plumber. And let's bring in the bass. Here it goes. Ooh. How's it going? How are you? How is your week? Today is Friday, January 18th, 2019. What's crack-a-lacking? How you been? What's going on? You all right? What are you guys doing this weekend? What's your game plan? How's everything going? I know I asked all these questions before. So you're going to get a little bit of a low-energy Kenny Molotov, and you're getting that because this is Friday. Like I just told you, it's around 8.30 in the evening. It's actually almost 8.40 in the evening, and I had a long day of school. I had my final test today on the second week, and um, I'm going to tell you all about that, but another thing I wanted to let you guys know is that I'm a little bit just a touch under the weather right now, and... um, I'm afraid tomorrow I'm going to be worse so that I won't even be able to have a conversation with you. So the game plan right now is to get through this thing, try to keep it as chill energy as possible, be as sustainable as possible, and try to get through this. Thank you for listening in. My name is Kenny Molotov, peeps. I'm a plumbing YouTuber, professional magician. I do a little bit of music. I am currently in... My third block of plumbing school right now, and that's why uh, this podcast is going to be a little bit different from what the normal itinerary is, which is we normally go on to Instagram after, and I show you the things that I did all week. But basically what I did this week was school. So I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about school. I'm going to tell you what's been going on, how I am currently holding up in this new environment, which I've been in many a times, but you know bouncing back into school how I you know how it changes things and and whatnot so I'm going to keep you guys up to date but first things first let's get a little bit of uh, housekeeping out of the way my name is Kenny Molotov like I told you this is my plumbing podcast where I talk about my life and times and of course all the plumbing that I'm doing currently if you go on to anchor.fm forward slash Kenny hyphen Molotov that is my anchor why do I always get this wrong my anchor uh home page i guess and on anchor anchor is an app by the way you can also get the anchor app on your phone you can get me and subscribe to all your podcasts there you could also start uploading podcasts on anchor anchor what essentially does it distributes to the other podcasting platforms which include anchor breaker google podcasts pocket cast spotify apple podcasts Castbox, overcast radio public and stitcher you can check me out on all those things let's hop over to the channel i uploaded one video this week called what you need to bring to plumbing school it hasn't had a great effect on the community maybe it's not showing up in their feed or whatnot or maybe people don't really care what sort of materials i brought in but that's what i did this week i showed you guys everything that i brought in which included the binders that i'm bringing which included the different utensils i need for the different sections of plumbing school which include backflow which include uh drafting which include uh math and everything else that goes along with plumbing school oh and i also have a list of what i had to bring in for basic and intermediate for shop class because my advanced class doesn't have a shop class which is something in itself but we have 2260 subscribers peeps we're still going up welcome to the new members of the community oh and by the way on chronicles of a plumber we got 23 subscribers welcome to the one new subscriber that came this week i appreciate you guys being here i appreciate you listening in. Now, 
I'm going to show you a little quick teaser, then I'm going to start talking to you guys about what happened this week. The teaser is of what uh, of the video I was just telling you that I uploaded this week, which is what materials you need to bring to plumbing school. Let's do this real quick. Peeps, Kenny Molotov here at home, and I just wanted to talk to you guys briefly about the things that I'm bringing into plumbing school. Now, I know a lot of you are just starting your apprenticeship or you're trying to get into your apprenticeship and you know that you're gonna have to eventually go into school once you finally get registered. So I wanted to go through the materials that I'm bringing that are gonna make my life easier and the reasons why I bring them. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Let's talk about my week. So first things first, um, my week started off a little bit weird. And the reason why that is is because last week I was telling you guys in the previous podcast that last week throughout the week what ended up happening is is I realized how behind I was for the first week worth of class. And the reason why I was behind was because I didn't spend Monday and Tuesday studying. I spent it coming home, doing a bit of a workout, uh, you know, starting my evening off with a little bit of video editing and whatnot. And this week was intended to be basically a review week. So you're sitting back sort of going, okay, yeah, I know it's review, which is not something to bat your eyes at, nothing, not something to ignore, but you know, it's something I've learned in the past and I'll refresh myself. Now, Come Wednesday, I freaked out because the teacher basically looked at us and looked at the class in general and said, guys, you got to really, you got to step up your game because this test this week is not going to be forgiving. And he was not lying, let me tell you. So as of Wednesday, I realized how behind I was. And I spent a really late evening on Wednesday studying at the school and an even later evening the following day on Thursday studying at school. And then comes Friday, which is uh, the day of the test. Every Friday we have a test. And I write the test and I walked out of that test feeling okay, but knowing that it wasn't going to be one of the top marks that I got. And because of all that crunch work that I ended up doing on Wednesday and Thursday, Friday... I was exhausted. We got home. I think we took a nap. And then Saturday, I slept in till like something crazy. Something like I, I, I slept until seven, first of all. And then I ended up falling asleep again and going till like noon, which is something I don't commonly do. I'm an early riser. That's how I prefer to start off my days. But Saturday was one of those days. Just because, man, studying is not easy. And you sort of forget how hard it is when you uh, are out of school and, and not doing it anymore. You just forget how much effort it takes to study. So on Saturday, I spent a lot of time doing something called a stack elevation. And this here, my friends, is a stack elevation. I don't know if you can see it too well, but it's essentially something, it, it's a, essentially a building that's drawn out on, on digitally and you have a bunch of fixtures. You're gonna run one sanitary pipe through the entire building Actually, it doesn't have to be one. It could be multiple sanitary pipes. And you're going to show the teacher how you would connect this so that you have to use minimal amount of material and the minimal sizes that you can get by. Uh, that way, the teacher knows you know all the rules. Now, I spent a lot of time doing this over the weekend. I spent a couple of, man, honestly, I must have been two to three hours doing it on Saturday. And then on Sunday, I did my good copy. Uh, I finished off the good copy, which is this thing right here, which has already been um, already been marked and handed back. 
And I was really proud of it. And I'm still really proud of it because the lines are extraordinarily nice compared to the first ones that I did, I should say. Um, I spent a lot of time trying to size everything correctly. And that's what I realized, peeps. I am not up to par when it comes to sizing. Sizing is difficult for me still. And I spent the last two years, uh, the last two sections of school doing sizing. And I'm still constantly juggling rules now here's the thing you got to know about sizing you have for example this week we had to focus on something called circuit venting which is a way of uh venting a battery of fixtures now with circuit venting if you look it up in the code book which is a book full of rules now here's one thing you got to understand about the code book the code book is intended to a give you the rules you're supposed to abide by when you're creating a plumbing system which means that an inspector can approach you and make you change things if it's a building permit if there's a permit involved they can make you change things according to that code which also means that you can turn around to the inspector and try to justify the reason why you put in the piping and if the code book supports what you're thinking then you can actually overrule them if other inspectors agree with your position and it also means that if somebody rips something up and they see something not up to code and something failed in the future that you can be taken to court for it so it's written by lawyers let's just say that it's written by plumbers but lawyers are involved these are actual codes that my province abides by when putting in piping okay so that's something to keep in mind in circuit venting if you look up the section in the code book that section will give you approximately 12 clauses I don't know if you guys know this but this is an exhausting thing to try to memorize 12 different clauses that's what i had to memorize this week in plumbing school it was ridiculous but here's the thing you got to understand so in this stack elevation you're going to have something called wet venting there's a section on wet venting and there are clauses for it and the section on wet venting i'll throw out a few clauses for you that are in the ontario plumbing code book in a wet vent group you're allowed a maximum of two water closets those water closets have to be the lowest, the most downstream fixtures in a wet vented group, and they connect at the same level on the vertical section of the stack. All right? These are clauses that have to do with wet venting. Now, sizing closets, if you wanted to size all this horizontal drainage pipes, there are different um, charts that you would go ahead and size with. The thing is, is that there are specific rules what there are rules in the code book that allow you to size things certain ways. Now, here's the thing. There are also other rules that you have to remember that override previous rules. And this is when it come, becomes really difficult. I got 15 out of 20 on this, um, on this stack elevation. If, you're, if you take a look at it, it's actually 14 out of 20. But I had a conversation with the teacher and he gave me an additional mark. And I'll tell you guys all about this. Now, here's the thing. Here's the reason why... I got 15 out of 20. It wasn't about the marksmanship. So <laughs> it wasn't about the penmanship, I should say. I think the penmanship was up to par. The majority of the sizing was done well. However, there were certain areas of the sizing where it was completely botched, okay? Now, here's, here's what I want to show you, okay? So, you see this green uh, broken line coming up. That is a vent. 
Your plumbing system also has a venting system in conjunction with it. And the venting system has its own clauses. There are different types of vents. Like I was telling you before, you have a wet vent, you have a circuit vent, you have a yoke vent, you have a stack vent, you have a vent stack, you have a branch vent, you have all sorts of vents. And you have to remember how to size them all. The way I sized this one was I treated it as a header and I sized it like, I technically sized it as a branch vent. That's what I essentially did. But because it's four stories, which is the rule I forgot, because it's four stories, four or more stories, you now need to connect it as a vent stack, which is what this little red mark here is. Now, you can't really see it that great on the camera, I know, but <clears throat> because of this one section that I botched, I didn't get the marks that I was hoping for. I was hoping to be uh, much higher. The dream is to be 19 or 20 out of 20, obviously, but this went and showed me that I have some strong weaknesses here that I need to really work on. Um, here's the story about the mark, though. So I consulted my friends over the weekend uh, and decided, you know what, let's talk. Let's talk amongst each other because not everything's super fresh. You know, this is the first stack elevation we're handing in. Let's talk and figure out what we think the sizing is. And we did that. And we all sized it similarly, essentially. And we did similar connections. We had some variations here and there, but for the most part, it looked similar. So I handed it in, uh, my friend handed it in, and my friend got 15 out of 20, I got 14 out of 20. So I essentially looked at our papers and I realized we got the exact same things wrong, the exact same ones, where uh, the urinals that I sized here, these two urinals, they are, they are not <clears throat> inch and a half, 1.5 fixture units each. These are actually two inch traps and three fixture units each. If you don't know what a fixture unit is, it's essentially a unit of measure um, that each fixture has that allows us to size the, the drainage pipe that will it will connect into, okay? So I messed that up completely. Uh, my friend messed it up as well. We thought it was a, a different fixture, a different fixture unit. Uh, we both didn't put in the um, vent stack. We both screwed up on some of the urinals. So I realized we essentially had the same answer. He got 15, I got 14. So I approached the teacher and I did it in a way that I've never done before. Normally, when I get stuff like that and I see stuff like that, I have a tendency, and I know it's really toxic to think this way, but I have a tendency to immediately think to myself, man, I think the teacher is gunning for me. Why would he give me a different mark than uh, my friend when we have the exact same thing? I didn't approach it this way because I don't, I don't think I initially interpreted it this way. Initially, I interpreted it as, oh, <clears throat> I guess he was, uh, you know, I guess he was in a space of mind where he saw more red marks put down on my paper, which is absolutely true, um, because there were certain things I sized that my friend didn't size. But there are more marks because of that. And he thought to himself, okay, it's probably 14 out of 20. So anyways, what I ended up doing is approaching my teacher and saying, sir, I just want to let you know, me and my colleague, we ended up sizing everything together and doing this together. And um, there's a discrepancy between the marks. And the teacher started laughing and he goes, okay, so why did I uh, give him 15 and not you 14? Which is how I would have approached a teacher before. But it's very accusatory coming up to somebody and saying that, right? It's kind of like going, what the hell's the deal, bro? 
And and when as soon as he said that, I, I tried to switch it to the way I was interpreting, which is, look, I noticed that there's a discrepancy between the marks, um, and I also noticed that our papers are relatively similar. So if you don't see a, a major um, difference between the two marks, do you do you mind bumping my mark up to the same thing he has? That's how I said it. And I was really proud about saying it like that because normally, like I told you, I interpret it like, bro, what the hell? But I think it was a the way it was a way better way of doing it because I don't think people are gunning from you from day one. Do you know what I'm saying? I think you need to screw up significantly to do that. Not to say that there aren't people like that, but I think I think for the most part I, I didn't take it as he was coming for me. And as soon as I said that, he looked at the two paper and he goes, Yeah, sure. Yeah, they're there's like super close, yeah, no problem. And it was the perfect. So I was like, awesome. You know, that that sort of went o- went over really well. And that's how I think I'm going to try to approach it from now on. Instead of c- interpreting as somebody's coming after me, I'm going to interpret it that way. So 15 out of 20 is like a 75%, if I'm not mistaken. Five. It's 75%. <clears throat> I was sitting at a 70% before. So it's a significant difference, right? It's a... Uh, it's a solid B to a B minus. It was a B minus, sorry, to a solid B. So I'm happy about that, but I still wish I sized it correctly. But now I know what my issues are, which is it's above four floors. It means that you have to have a vent stack rather than this branch vent thing that I was doing. And the second thing that I screwed up majorly is that you're going to notice that there are a ton of water closets on this thing, okay? A ton of water closets. And the thing is, with a vertical stack, vertical sanitary stack, what you end up having to do is the moment you introduce a seventh water closet into the system, that pipe automatically has to upsize to four inch. The vertical stack does. So I didn't size it that way. I forgot about that rule. And that rule eliminates all the other rules. Because in the code book, if you add up all these fixtures... Three inches supposed to be okay for them. However, there's one little clause in the Ontario Plumbing Code Book that says a seventh water closet means you have to upsize to four inch on a vertical stack. I forgot about that rule, and that's why I didn't size it well. But I'm happy with what I did do well, and I'm really hoping that at the next time that we get this, that I'll be able to do these corrections and get a better mark than 15 because... I'm aiming high, man. I'm aiming high, and I'm really, really trying, really trying to get this down. Um, And it's a little bit discouraging when you spend so many hours doing it, but it should pay off in the long run because if I'm diligent and I make sure to double-check and triple-check what my mistakes are, I should be able to do these way better. Uh, Let's talk about the test. All right. So last week, we had an entire test on review and i'm going to read out the test i have the test right here i'm going to read out the things that we had to know okay so we need we need to know about individual vents individual vents are vents for individual fixtures you can uh put two types of vents on them uh you can put a back vent and you can put a continuous waste and vent i got those all correct um now there's a bunch of things there's a bunch of definitions for the different vents that i was telling you guys about so for example a vent pipe at the top of a soil stack through the vent terminal to open air is known as a stack vent. I got that question right. The developed length of the most distant soil or waste pipe connection to a vent stack, stack vent, header, or open air is a branch vent. Okay? 
Here's where it gets confusing. The developed length from the vertical soil or waste pipe connection to a vent stack, stack vent header, or open air describes a continuous vent. Didn't those sound similar? The di difference is, is the first one is the developed length from the most distant soil or waste pipe. The second one is the developed length from the vertical soil or waste pipe. So the difference is, is that these two vents start in different places. And the latter one is a continuous vent, which is a vent designed for a wet vent. Confusing? Yeah, bro. Let me tell you guys, I spent tons of time trying to memorize this stuff. And I did well on this section. Now, here's a couple of things I'm going to tell you. And then I'm going to talk about my marks. I want to be transparent about everything. I want you to guys to know exactly how poor or how good I'm doing. I need to put it out there. I need you guys to know um, where I stand in this regard so you can compare yourself to me, compare yourself uh, and, and figure out, you know, maybe try to extrapolate on how well you're going to do. But I don't think I'm doing anybody a service by lying. Here's the truth of the matter. I walked into this test with a ton of anxiety, which is a new variable for me. Not saying that I've never had anxiety, but with this test in particular, I had a little bit of panic. And I'm going to tell you straight up, the reason why I had the panic was because I'm an online personality in plumbing, and I was really nervous about um, being represented in a way where I shouldn't be allowed to be doing stuff online. Whew, I said it. I said it. That That's the demon right there. So in other words... I didn't want a mark that people were going to look at me and go, maybe you shouldn't be uh, trying to talk about plumbing online. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? I know it's an insecurity, but look, you're obviously here because you're part of the community and you're interested in stuff. Uh, you, I, I assume you'd be interested in knowing why the panic was there. It's because of that. So that panic led to some really terrible things. The first terrible thing is, is that there were mistakes on this. That shouldn't have been done, wouldn't have been done, I believe, if the panic wasn't there. I was rushing through the test out of anxiety. So, there were some things here that I knew the answers to, peeps. I knew them. And I just, they, I just blanked and I wrote them in incorrectly. So, that was due to the variable of the panic. So, here's, here's what I have to say about it all right now. As of right now, I got the test back on Tuesday, and the mark I initially had, I also got a correction on this test, but a bunch of people did. The initial mark I had was 83 out of 105. Uh, I got a two-mark bump, and a bunch of people did because the teacher marked something incorrectly. I'm sitting at 85 out of 105, which is approximately an 80%. Am I happy with that mark? No. I was expecting better, and I was hoping for better. However, at the same time, I still think it's a decent mark. It's just not as high as I was aiming. And I'm sure you've all had that experience in the past where you got a mark that a lot of people would be happy with, but you weren't really happy because of where you thought you were going or where you thought you wanted to be. That's the truth of the matter. But let's talk about what I got wrong, what I needed to work on, and what I did this week in order to try to correct it. So on the very first page... There's a question that says, describe the maximum length of an individual or dual vent. An individual vent, which can be a back vent or a continuous waste vent, um, 
is is a is a vent for an individual fixture when you hear something called a dual vent it's one vent serving multiple fixtures usually just two you could put a dual vent for example on a back-to-back vanity it will have a dual vent you could put a, a dual vent on a back-to-back uh, urinal all right and on that dual vent you're also going to need to put a clean out above flood level rim because there's a code in the code book that says that you need a clean out on the vertical section of the dual vent for back-to-back urinals in order to snake the vertical section of that pipe because there's a ton of calcium buildup for urinals and it's just a big disaster. But aside, okay, so the answer to this is actually that there is no answer to this. There's no maximum length of an individual vent or dual vent. They can go to open air, essentially. So it's unlimited. That's what the teacher described it as. So that's what I got wrong there. On the following page, I got everything wrong except for, (laughs) sorry, I got everything right except for one thing. Uh, A pipe that connects to a fixture trap, uh, sorry, a pipe that connects a fixture trap to another part of the drainage system is, and you had to circle one, we had options of wet vent, stack vent, fixture drain, trap arm. I marked it as trap arm. And the reason why I marked it as trap arm is because the question was connects a fixture trap to another part of the drainage system. So the way the teacher was defining fixture trap is that it already had a trap arm. I still had a hard time answering it that way because I interpreted it as the um, trap arm as in the outlet portion of the trap. Um, However, it was fixture drain. A bunch of people got fixture drain and I was just plain wrong. But let's talk about what things were on this. Uh, Name some sanitary units. We had a bidet, water closet, bedpan washer, and a urinal. Whenever you have a bed, whenever you have a sanitary unit discharging into a stack, for example, it becomes a sanitary drainage pipe rather than a waste pipe. There's a distinction between the two. Although there's human waste going through them, it's not a sanitary unit going through it. So, uh, for example, if you have one line in your house that only discharges kitchens, Or if you have one in a building that only discharges kitchen, you have a stack going through picking up all the kitchens on line 101, for example. That's a waste stack. That's not a soil stack. The moment you connect one of these fixtures into it, a bidet, water closet, bedpan, washer, or urinal, it becomes a sanitary drainage pipe rather than a waste pipe, okay? Uh, uh, the portion of a fixture drain from the trap weir to the protecting vent is the trap arm. I got that correct, and I put trap arm for the other one as well. So, uh, you know, it happens. Five requirements between an inch and a half P trap and its protecting individual vent. There are requirements between uh, fixtures and their vents, and it comes down to size of, of the pipes that are being used. Okay, so the maximum distance for an inch and a half P trap between it and its protecting vent is 1.8 meters. And there is there is a chart in our code book, in the Ontario Plumbing Code Book, which is 7410, uh, no, 7-5, ooh, ooh, 7-5-6-3. I'm going with a guess here, peeps. Do not quote me. Don't go on Jeopardy saying that, okay? 7563. Nonetheless, I could tell you the chart right off the bat. So the chart essentially says um, 
uh, what are we talking about? Yes. Length of, uh, length of the trap arm. And the way it goes is that you have an inch and a quarter trap. You're allowed 1.8 meters, uh, 1.4 meters uh, to its protecting vent. That's how long the trap arm can be. Then you have inch and a half, which is 1.8 meters. So that's why I put down 1.8 and I got that right. You have 2 inch, which is 2.4. 3 inch, which is 4.6. Uh, 2.4, 3.6, sorry, 3.6. The next one is 4.9, and that's 4 inch. And then you have another 4 inch allowance, which is 9.8 meters. And the only difference between those... All of those were 1 in 50. That's the minimum amount of slope. With the, the latter 4 inch I was telling you guys about, it is 1 in 100. So if you're going to put 9.8 meters to its protecting vent for a 4 inch pipe, it has to have a minimum slope of 1 in 100, which I think is something like an eighth of an inch per foot. But I can't do that math in my head right now, nonetheless. I got that right. Uh, minimum distance between an inch and a half trap and its protecting vent. The minimum distance is two times the trap diameter, which is inch and a half times two, which is three inch. That's correct. Uh, the maximum total fall of the trap arm is one time the trap, the inside diameter of the pipe. Uh, and it really depends on what sort of material you're using. You're going to have a different wall thickness for a cast iron pipe. You're going to have a different wall thickness for ABS, PVC, etc. So you have to actually measure the inside diameter of those pipes in order to know what the maximum fall is. Fall is the amount of slope you're allowed to have, okay? Minimum fall is 1 in 50, like we were just talking about. The only one that is 1 in 100 is the 4-inch at 9.8 meters. And then the maximum change of direction to its protecting vent is 135 degrees. So you're not allowed to go like this with uh, all the fixtures that you're hoping to go for um, before they get to their protecting vent. You're allowed a 90 degree and a 45 degree, or you're allowed a cut couple of 45s you're allowed um three 45s or you're allowed a few 22s and 45s you can do as many fittings as you want as long as you don't exceed 135 degrees worth of turn with those fittings before it gets to its vent as soon as it gets to its vent it now can start doing other things it now can move around a bit better okay so that was good um we talked about that. Pipe that acts both as a drain and a vent. I don't know if I've defined this for you guys before. Probably have. This is called a wet vent. So sometimes we vent fixtures with other fixtures, but we got to make a lot the correct size for the pipe between them. So if you're wet venting a vanity with a water closet, you're totally allowed to do that as long as it's the most downstream fixture that there aren't that the wet vent group doesn't have more than two water closets, that if there are, they're the most downstream, they connect to the vertical section of the stack at the same height, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be a two-inch pipe if you're going to be wet venting between a vanity and a uh, water closet. Correct. All right. Four specific requirements for removing the vents from a floor drain. So you're allowed to not vent floor drains if you have certain stipulations put in. Very first thing is it, the, 
the length of the fixture drain has to be minimum 450 millimeters. The, um, the floor drain itself has to be a minimum of three inch. It ha there has to be a stack that is that there has to be a horizontal drainage pipe that ends in its upstream as a three inch stack. Let me read that for you. Um, where is it from? Where is it? Let me see. <clears throat> Must connect to a horizontal drainage pipe that terminates at its upstream end into a minimum three inch stack to open arrow. Uh, the minimum size of, of the floor drain has to be three inch. Minimum distance is 450 millimeters. Maximum fall not greater than in its own size. All right. Water closets in a wet vented group must be installed downstream of all other fixtures. The trap arms and fixture drains connect to a wet vent above the lowest vented wet vented fixture must not exceed two inch in size. So there's a bunch of things. So this week, last week basically, we ended up doing a bunch of things on wet venting. That was the big thing that we had to do. And then we did a bunch of charts. Now, I remember when I was telling you guys about the anxiety that I was having and how there's a little bit of panic in that uh, made me screw things up. Take a look at this chart right here. This page should have been perfect. I should have got perfect. I would have had an additional four marks if I did this. You see all those X's right over here? You see all those X's? Well, I am super vexed about this because, because I spent forever memorizing this chart and I could tell it to you right off the top of my head. But when I wrote it down, I screwed it up. Now, the chart is the wet venting chart. Now, here's the thing. If you have a wet vent that's not serving a water closet, you're allowed for an inch and a half uh, trap, uh, inch and a half pipe, you're allowed a maximum of two fixture units for an inch and a half wet vent, sorry. For a two inch wet vent, you're allowed four fixture units. For a three inch wet vent, you're allowed 12 fixture units. For a four inch wet vent, you're allowed 36 fixture units, okay? All right, now here's the thing. Here's where it gets crazy. If you add a water closet into that group for an inch and a half pipe, you are not allowed to connect any inch and a half pipe when there's a water closet being wet vented. You're not allowed to. In this, in this chart that I put here, I forgot to put not applicable. And then I screwed up everything else, even though those answers are correct, uh, if I had said not applicable in the top row. So the minimum size for a wet vent <clears throat> when you introduce a water closet into a group is two inch. Then it goes, then the fixture units for that is three fixture units. Then it goes eight, 14, 18, 23. I screwed that up. That's four marks. I would have been at 89 out of 105, a substantially better mark, substantially. So I'm a little bit cheesed about that. Um, that one stung. I got to be honest. Then we did a bunch of sizing peeps, and then we did a bunch of, um, what do you call it, labeling <clears throat> right here. We did a bunch of labeling. I did okay. I got one wrong on, no, two wrong on the labeling. Uh, I got the vertical leg wrong. I also got the individual vent. It was actually a vent stack. We had to draw lines to um, define what the different things were, like a vent stack, stack vent. Um, continuous vent, etc. And then we did sizing and I botched a bunch of the sizing. We had, I got one, two, three, four. I got four things wrong, five things wrong on the sizing. Five things wrong on the sizing. I should have done better. 83 or 85 out of 105.
But you know what? I, I busted my butt in order to get the 85, and I completely changed my tactic this week in order to... <clears throat> In order to basically get to where I needed to go, all right, I realized that in the very first week of school, I was I just did not put enough time into it. If I had given myself more time of review, I think I would have done way better on the first test. And that just makes sense. That That's just statistics. You know what I'm saying? You study longer. If you're doing it thoroughly, you're going to do better on the test usually. So what happened this week? Let me tell you what, what, what went down. I got this test back. I was cheesed. I got I got the stack elevation back. I was cheesed. Um, and both of them are decent marks. Like, uh, I shouldn't take that away from anything. However, I started studying as of last week, Monday. So Monday came. We finished class. I go to the CAF. And I start hammering out notes right away. I don't waste time. I go downstairs. I study and I leave school at 7 p.m. and I drive home for an hour. This week, I'm gonna tell you all the things that we needed to know. This week, we're talking about head and pressure, which is, which is a subject that deals with the effects of height and pressure on water. So, we're finding out how high water can be lifted. We're finding out um, how to figure out how much pressure per square inch there is in, in a pipe. We're also finding out what the total force of water rushing down a pipe at free fall will be, depending on the diameter of the pipes, uh, total force, unit pressure, and height. Those were the three formulas. We had a lot of math on this test. A lot, and I'm going to get to that in a second. So that was the first thing. The next thing we had to do was uh, talk about suppliers of water. So we needed to talk about lakes, rivers, streams. Um, we also needed to talk about cisterns, reservoirs, wells, and sand points. We needed to then do an entire section on wells. What types of wells are there? There are four types of wells that I know of. They are dug, dug wells, uh, bored wells drilled and driven wells and then we had to do an entire section on pumps and that was approximately where we stopped with that we also had to know uh how to do those questions like i was just telling you about about fixture unit pressure uh height and also total force um it was a lot man it was a lot it was very thorough and here's the reason why it was a lot it was a lot because we were supposed to do review last week. As of last week, Wednesday, it was the first day that we started the new stuff. We started talking about wells last week, Wednesday. So coming to this Monday, I already know I have things I need to memorize. So I sit down on Monday and I start memorizing it. And as we're still memorizing, he's still writing things down on the board, which are about different pumps. Uh, we talked about, <clears throat> we basically talked about four different pumps. We talked about uh, centrifugal pumps, uh, which are jet pumps. We talked about uh, reciprocating pumps, which are piston pumps. We talked about gear pumps. You can hear them. They're called booster pumps or jockey pumps. Uh, we talked about submersible pumps, um, which uh, is a common thing to put into a well. Uh, we did a bunch on wells. And uh, so 
we got in and I had to do a bunch of studying, man, because I knew I was already behind and I knew that I didn't know the stuff. And I saw the, the effects of only studying on Wednesday and Thursday last week. So right away, I put it into gear, man. That was the only way I could survive in this sort of situation. I knew that, look, peeps, if I've ever succeeded at anything, it's because I put a ton of time into it. That, that's the only thing that I've noticed. Anything that I've ever done well at, I just had to put time, a ton of time though, a ton of time. I realized last week I just wasn't putting in the, the work that I needed to put in. So I started it on as Monday. Monday, I started cranking out notes and he was still cranking out notes midweek basically. That's what my week looked like. You know, I got these stack elevations back. I got this test back and I sort of had to start talking to myself and psyching myself up. And, and reminding myself, hey, you know what? It's just the first week. Don't worry if the marks aren't where you want them to be. Um, we can, we still have opportunity here. It's a little bit discouraging not getting the marks you're hoping for. It's a little bit discouraging when you interpret that as the teacher coming after you, which is a toxic way of thinking. You got to realize, or uh, you know, this is a conversation I'm having with myself. Essentially, Kenny, you have to realize. Nobody gives a shit about you for the most part. You're on your own. Get your stuff done. I'm sure you're going to run into people that are gunning for you, but it's not everybody. Not every bad mark is the teacher coming after you. So that's a conversation I had to have with myself because if you believe that the teacher is coming after you, it really puts a strain on the amount of effort you're going to put into because you're thinking to yourself, dude, I'm going to get a bad mark no matter what. When in reality, dude, there are mistakes on this. There are mistakes on this. There are mistakes on the other test that are viable mistakes. You got them wrong. Everything you got right, he marked right. So just shut up, relax, get this done, and keep hammering out studying. That's it. That, that's what it came down to. So as of Thursday night, so here's what I did. I was able to memorize everything I needed to memorize for class for, for just this last week worth of notes that was going to be on this week's test as of Wednesday. So I studied Monday, I studied Tuesday, and I studied Wednesday, and I got home late on Wednesday. Like I was telling you, um, I left school like at 8 p.m. In those three days, I was able to hammer out those notes and memorize all the week's worth of notes that were going to be on the test, okay? Thursday comes around, and here's the thing. Teacher goes, oh, by the way, um, we're putting in a review section. It's going to be on circuit venting. You guys got to hammer out the notes on circuit venting. So like I was telling you, circuit venting has something ridiculous, like 11 clauses. It took me an hour and a half to two hours just to memorize all of circuit venting. And you know what? By the end of it, I still there are still things that I don't know about circuit venting, but let me throw out a couple of clauses for you just so you know what the hell I was doing this week. Okay, so a circuit vent, like I was telling you before, is a way of venting a battery of fixtures. If you ever go into somewhere like a stadium where you have something crazy like 11 water closets lined up, more than likely they're circuit vented because the way a circuit vent works is, is you go to the furthest water closet upstream. And you connect a circuit vent just downstream of that water closet, just between that first one and the second one. You throw that bad boy up according to the correct size. You run your vent across all of them. You put in relief vents every eight fixtures, and then you drop it down. You're only allowed two branches in a circuit vented uh, 
a maximum of two branches in a circuit-vented group, one circuit-vented group. If you have more than that, you have to put additional circuit vents and continue sizing it, etc. So let me tell you a couple of clauses. First things first, a section of the horizontal branch may be circuit-vented provided A, a circuit vent is connected to it, B, all the fixtures in the circuit-vented group are connected on the same story, located at the most upstream section of the horizontal branch. Um, no soil or waste stack, this is C, no soil or waste pipe shall connect to upstream of any circuit vented fixture. Um, man, and the list goes on. Uh, relief vents, let me tell you a couple about relief vents. Um, a relief vent must be connected to a circuit vent downstream of the most downstream fixture. A soil or waste pipe with a maximum of six fixture units may act as a relief vent for a horizontal uh, branch being circuit vented. Um, the list goes on. The list goes on. It, it's, it's a ton of stuff. <clears throat> I find it tremendously confusing, especially since I don't circuit vent. Dad and I have never done it before. It's only something I've learned theoretically, but that was on it. And on Thursday when I'm studying, that took me the majority of the night. So as soon as I finished that, and I feel adequate with what I know about circuit venting. I then had to sit back and, and say to myself, bro, we haven't done any math. We got the formulas. We did whatever we did in class, but we never practiced. So I pull out a booklet of math and I start going through math. It was 7 p.m. at that point, And I start doing the math that I know that's going to be on the test, which is total force, which is unit pressure, and which is height. Height. The formula for height is PSI times 2.31. We got that because we know that one foot of water gives us 0 0.433 PSI. So if you have a water bottle and it's one foot high worth of water and you dump that down, that's the equivalent of 0 0.433 PSI. If you have 2.31 feet of water, so you have a water bottle and in that water bottle you have 2.31 feet of water. And you open that up and you dump it out. That is the equivalent of one PSI, one pound per square inch. All right. So um, that's height. That's how height affects PSI. Uh, if you wanted to find pressure, which is unit pressure, you would now have to take height and you'd have to multiply it by 0 0.433. And then we talk about total force. Because a second ago when I was talking about um, if you dump that water down, you're probably thinking to yourself what that force is coming down on you. Like it would be significantly different if I got a bucket that was 2.31 feet high and I raised that all with water and I dumped it, right? But that would still be the equivalent of one PSI. However, however, the diameter changed and the total force coming down on your head would be completely different. So you're right there. So these three formulas tell us three different things. We're able to find out how high water, uh, how, <clears throat> the, how the height of water will affect the pressure in the system. We're able to find out how much pressure is in the system according to the height. And now we're able to find out if I were to take a 10-inch diameter pipe, massive pipe, 
and it was 12 feet high. And I filled that bad boy with water. I also have a formula now that will tell me if I opened the bottom of that pipe that's full of water and I let it drain on your face, how much force would come down on your face according to that diameter of water. Total force is unit pressure times area. Area, of course, of a cylinder is pi r squared. Uh, no, that's area of the, of the circle is pi r squared. And that's how you find out how many pounds are coming down on your head. Now, here's the thing that you gotta, uh, you gotta visualize, okay? You remember the ice bucket challenge? <laughs> Do you remember that? It was this thing where people would basically turn to one another. Uh, they would throw water on themselves. That was ice water. And it was for some sort of good cause. And what they would eventually do at the end of this video is they'd call out a few people. They'd be like, oh, Kenny Molotov. I challenge Kenny Molotov. And they have to do that within 24 hours of seeing it and whatnot. So it just kept getting um, paid forward in a sense. So that's the ice bucket challenge. But every once in a while, you'll see an ice bucket challenge where they take a stupid size thing and they throw it down on people like they would take big garbage bins of water and they'd be like on the second floor and they'd dump that water on the individual and that water and that person would come down fallen hard, right? Because there's so much weight behind water, we don't even recognize it. So if you took if you took a big bucket full of water and the bucket's diameter was 36, uh, 36 inches, that's gonna and you filled that bad boy up, that's gonna have way more pounds in it than a pipe that is an inch and a half wide. You know what I'm saying? So that's the the interesting part about those formulas. So I spent I spent the rest of the night doing that and I have to say thank you to one of my plumbing buddies that I met this year. Helped me out a ton. Kept calling him up going, bro, how do you do this? How do you do that? And he was breaking it down for me and he helped me out so much. So shout out to him. I don't know if he wants his, well, I guess I don't, I don't even know his last name. So Nathan, I appreciate your love, bro. Appreciate that. Um, that was good times. That was good times. He was very helpful with that. And I spent the rest of the night doing that. I left school at like 10 p.m. I get home. I get to bed at quarter to 12. And then I'm up for five again. And instead of doing cardio, which I normally do in the morning, I'm out the door. I got home at 6.15 to be greeted. I got to school at 6.15 just to be greeted by a couple of friends that were also had the same idea as me, which was let's get to school. Let's do some extra studying and then let's come in ready. You know what I'm saying? Put the gloves on and get into the fight. Got to school, saw a buddy of mine. We walk in. Uh, we We occupy different tables and we just start studying and what i decided to do this day uh this morning was i got into school i did a little bit more of circuit venting because i was really nervous about it and i also did sizes um remember how i was telling you about fixture units which is hydraulic load well every fixture has its own hydraulic load and depending on the type of fixture it is, it tells you if it, it changes. For So for example, a water closet with a tank will be four fixture units, but a water closet with a flush valve will be six fixture units. So I also spent time re-memorizing that chart, which is constantly going to have to be hammered in my head forever. So it's just good to know and good to do. And that's what I did. I spent the morning doing those two things. I packed my bug bags, I put everything away, and I went to write the test. And here's what I want to tell you. I don't know how I did, but I can tell you one thing. 
I felt way better walking out of this test than I felt about walking out of the initial test that I wrote. And the reason why that was was because I forcibly shut myself up from the panic mode. And I I constantly said to myself, you know what? Nope. The very first thing I'm going to do when I get that test, I'm going to write my name. I'm going to circle the teacher. And I'm going to read through that bad boy and find out what's in store for me. Uh, Because with the other test, I panicked and I just started writing. Writing in panic mode. I said, no, this is going to be very methodical. I'm going to do this at my own pace, very slowly. Uh, Obviously, within the allotted couple of hours that we have to write it. And that was it. And that's how I did it. I took my time. I figured out the answers. I went nice and slow. Then I did the math. The math came out nice and slow as well. I double-checked my work. That's one thing I got to suggest. Always work backwards with math to verify that you get the the answers before. And then work back way down. And keep doing that. The wonderful thing about math, the excellent thing that is about math is that there's only one answer and you can verify that answer according to going up the steps of your of your formulas going down. So in other words, if you get 4 plus 5 equals 9, you can work backwards now. You could go 9 minus 4. What's that answer? It shows you 5 and you're like, okay. So... At least this formulaic pattern is accurate. I can't guarantee that you're doing the right formula here, but I can guarantee if you did do the right formula, this is at least accurate. That's what I did. That's what I always do with math. I go forward, I go backwards, I make sure, and I verify. And then uh, we had sizing way back at the end. And... uh, I'm telling you, boys and girls, uh, I, it's a weakness of mine. <laughs> it's something I got to work on. It's something I got to work on for sure. Uh, but we did a lot on pumps, like I was telling you before about uh, uh, centrifugal pumps. Um, there was a bunch of questions about that. Um, we had to. We had a diagram of a pump that we had to start uh, labeling. On that diagram, and it was of a jet pump. You had a motor. You had an impeller. You have a ventruli, which is a new word for me. Uh, we had uh, uh, a suction line. We had an outlet. We had a flow control valve. Uh, we had ah, a bunch of things, a bunch of things. An ejector. I don't know if I said that. So it was a bunch of things, and it was very thorough, and it was um, – it felt good, though. I, I walked out of that feeling much better than I did before. Uh, we also had a question, which was, what's a pro of having a submersible pump and what's a con of having a submersible pump? Um, the pro that I put for it uh, is that a submersible pump pump does not need to be primed. So a lot of pumps need to be primed, which means you need to um, remove all air between the piping from the foot valve and the pump itself. A foot valve is a special valve that goes on the bottom, <clears throat> on the bottom of the uh, the suction line, and it's essentially a check valve and a strainer at the same time. So it'll open as water's coming in, but it'll close as soon as there's no suction, and then you have a strainer to make sure that there are no rocks coming into the water with you. So. That's, that's one thing as well. You don't have to prime a submersible pump. They go straight in the water down below. And a con I said for that is that they're not easily accessible 
and they're not easily serviceable because they're at the bottom of the well. I hope those were right. Sounds good to me, but that was the week of plumbing peeps. I know I didn't have a lot of pictures for you. I will be uploading some to Instagram, probably of this stack elevation right here. So if you want to take a look at it, go to Molotov underscore plumbing. I appreciate you guys checking in. I appreciate you guys listening. I, I know this is a little bit of a change because I'm not actually doing work, but we are talking extensively about plumbing. So I hope it's something that's still interesting you. I hope it's something that's still making you uh, come back and listen to more. So peeps, I love you guys. I appreciate you coming in. I'm Kenny Molotov, plumbing YouTuber, professional magician, musician, everything down in the description below. Find me on anchor.fm forward slash Kenny hyphen Molotov, and I'll see you guys very soon. Kenny Molotov, guys. Peace, baby.